recorded live. Russell, you were saying? I was saying he went down there to get uh, a stamp of approval. I guess they ran a demon checker on him. Right, so what I'm understanding what you're saying is that Richard Parrish was taken to Oklahoma to have a demon evaluation done. That's what I heard. Well, how how did his evaluation go? Well, he passed the test. Oh, boy. Imagine that. He was forced to take communion. Forced to take it as part of the evaluation? Yeah, and he didn't die. Oh. Oh. He must be innocent. Where is that in Scripture? Um... I do not know. Hmm. I'm going to make a note of that so I can study that and determine where the evaluation is. Uh, Let's see. Where is the New Testament uh, evaluation? I don't even think it has to be in the Bible anymore for them. You don't think it even has to be in the Bible anymore for them? No. Yeah. Well, I think I'd be inclined to agree with you on that. But praise the Lord. I think you're coming back. You do? Yeah. Well, thank you. I do... You'll be a twofold more son of Jesus Christ. Yeah. When you survive that mess. Well, I tell you, um, I do believe that what is happening to us is uh, is that we are becoming uh, um, incapable in a physical sense of combating these these bugs and diseases in our bodies because we, you know, we, as healthy, like you said, Russell, yourself, you know, I thought I'd been eating healthy and stuff, and yes, maybe there's some dietary changes one can, uh, can have, but many of the things in which we're trying to eat as a healthy uh, diet. Uh, we're consuming things that that you know are not good. Uh, whether it's antibiotics in in cows or antibiotics in chickens, and and we're buying the chickens and you know everything else. I mean, you couldn't buy anything from a local farmer for the past 15 years because they were afraid to sell you anything. Well, if they can't sell you cow's milk, they, they can keep us from getting anything. Right. So, um, so there's no doubt that uh, um, I uh, am going to continue to bear a path toward as much uh, back-to-the-earth uh, food substances as as we can possibly do in, in the upcoming years because... Uh, 
I'm convinced that you know we're our systems are becoming incapable of fighting just regular you know regular you know bugs regular infections regular and maybe they're not regular you know um but um yeah i i'm doing better i mean i've now in my third full week of work um we even went and got a load of wood two loads of wood yesterday and we were all physically beat but um um i got a guy that uh, is a tree cutter in town and has a tree service and so he calls me when he's got something coming down and and uh you hate to do it in the middle of July and August and everything like that but I've had a lot of sources in the past that have been around wooded areas where I live and um it's been dwindling down over the years uh, and maybe it's because of my lack of knowing other people or whatever I don't know but my my main couple of sources have kind of dried up on providing me uh, you know sources of wood so I have been reaching out to some of the tree people to see if I can get the stuff that they're not really interested in and so anyhow, we wound up getting a couple loads of wood yesterday, and I got to go out in the morning and work on a little more. So, so. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so you uh, you received those texts. And uh, well, did uh, did Lance uh, attend your uh, son's uh, wedding then? No, he didn't make it. Oh, yeah, I thought maybe he might have been trying to do that, but but uh, my son coming down from Louisiana stopped in Dallas and visited. Uh, an ex-church member, Skylar and Deshina, and um, they said it's just horrible what was done to that child. And they said it's even more horrible the way they handled it. And um, they did Branson. Um, I mean, those people didn't, but the church had it. But um, they said there was more new people. A lot of people had left it. Uh, They said even Jason Jason now just goes through the motions and doesn't attend... um, let him do some things. And John's getting frustrated with him. And John's getting frustrated with Jason? Yeah. 
is Jason's. It's just a job. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, I received one of these LinkedIn messages from Jason, um, and I don't know if you received one. It was an email saying from Jason Junker asking me to join his LinkedIn um, um, section or whatever. Jules got it. Jules got it also, and uh, and uh, he asked me about it, and I said, "Well, I got one probably the same day you did." So I said, "I guess I'm not thinking anything about it," you know. So I didn't respond to it. Um, what, what is Jules still down there? Yeah. Yeah, he missed us last week, I guess. Uh, time time differential, he forgot, and he's not here tonight, so I don't know. Uh, Rich just tried to call me, but I can't take his call, so I did send him a text, but um, he's uh, not responded to the um, uh, uh so I don't know what he what he needs. Uh, the clicking is me trying to send him another text, but I wonder what what kind of bill he's going to send you. Who? Jules. Um. Well, there's nothing. <laughs> he's already he's already showed me his cards. Um, I think he's crazy. He fit in real good at Scriptures for America. That's just me. Uh, have gun will travel. He forgot to put you will be charged for this. Uh, okay, uh, Rich is, uh, Give me a minute here. I'm going to quick... Uh, what do you hear from Ann? Um, yeah, believe it or not, we have been waiting for a... Um, um, We've been waiting for a death certificate, all right? And so they gave me all this garbage, uh, and, and Ann had called earlier, well, sometime mid-last week, and they had told her that, you know, uh, the funeral home said that 
Yeah, everything was processed, and they got the paperwork, and they should have it ready for us, like, in a day or two. And so today I called, uh, uh, yesterday I called the, uh, today I called, actually, this morning, I called the uh, Office of Medical Inquiry, inquired of them, and they said that has been all completed um, on the 26th of uh, April, 20, yeah, 26th of May, and uh, that um, uh, it's usually a couple of weeks. So I called the funeral director back, and they said, yeah, it's it's been done since the 26th, but when we got it, there's a a number on there that is um, uh, the OMI used the zip code for um, used the zip code for um, somewhere in Texas for no for her place they used the proper zip code and then he looks it up in some the director looks it up in some book. And so while she was talking to me, she says, but the demographics, and I said, she said that word demographics, so she was done talking. I said, demographics, what does demographics have to do with anything? I said, we're not, you know, we're not placing her by demographic. We're placing her, you know, death as, you know, Bingham, New Mexico. And that zip code is, is the zip code that Bingham used to have in San Antonio now is the post office, and it has the zip code for for Bingham is the same as San Antonio, New Mexico. So I said, that's ridiculous. And I think she thought about what I was saying, and I think what this guy was doing was looking up something in the demographic, some kind of a demographic section or something, and just carelessness or something coming up with this stupid number and she said they have eight seven eight one five or something. And I said, well, all you got to do is look up and see what eight seven eight one. She said she'd been on the phone with all these people, and and nobody's returning her phone call. And she wants the uh, investigator assigned to Betty's, you know, remains to to call, and nobody's calling. And I said, well, all you got to do is look up eight seven eight one five and find out where that zip code is. And I said, if that isn't anywhere remotely close to where Betty, you know, resided, obviously it's either an error in the book or he's using a demographic code which has nothing to do with zip code data, uh, place of death. So anyhow, I'm going to get this resolved. She says, I'm going to get this today and I will call you back later and let you know. So she calls back later and shazam, everything's ready. Certificate will be on its way in a couple of days. So I called Ann to tell her that, you know, um, uh, that I'd had the conversation this morning. And so then we both got a call this afternoon saying that the death certificate's going to be in the mail. So. Well, anyhow, uh, so there's lots of work to do. I've got my letters prepared to go out to all the various um, fiduciary outfits that she was involved with and get everybody notified and get the death certificate to get to them and get that yep. process done basically and and uh move on so 
USC and, autopsy? Well, they did a, a rudimentary uh, investigation. Uh, when somebody dies, it's required in New Mexico if no one was present and and uh, those kinds of things, then they take them to the medical in inquiry and they're reviewed. And, of course, there we were at 12 o'clock at night on the night we got into town and I found her and, uh, you know, you got... I said, well, we already know what her wishes are and I don't see the need for this. And, um, you know, I, I said we would just you know, be fine with her taken to the funeral directors, uh, Daniels there in Socorro, and uh, and we'll proceed with, you know, burial requests that she's got or, or final requests. Well, it's the law, and I said, well, can anybody cite me that law? Uh, I said, I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, and then Ann kind of chimed in and said, well, it, it's all right, but see, Ann wanted Betty out of the house because she was uncomfortable with that and, you know, the female thing and everything. And it's like, well, they're going to remove her. It's not like I'm asking them to leave her here, but I wasn't going to start arguing with Ann there. So the emotional thing was all kind of kicking in for her. And and uh, so anyhow, um, that's that's the law. And, well, we can't, I can't cite a statute for you or whatever. And Neither could the sheriffs, and and I said, well, all she needs to be done is taken to the funeral home, and and I said, from there we'll be able to provide what the the wishes are. You know, I said in a few days we'll have the information put together, and you know, I didn't want to say we'll have documents found or this or that or anything else, but um, so anyhow, well, that's where she's going to go is the OMI. So they do, a, a, I guess, a routine one, and that's to determine if there was anything specific, you know, like they can tell that, you know, there was a cardiac arrest or that, you know, there was something that's fairly evident without getting into, say, autopsy, like you say. It, toxicology and stuff, so, um, so that's what they did, and that was the the first month that she was down there, which was basically the month of April. What was the cause of death? Well, we haven't seen a a death certificate yet, so we don't know, but one of the ladies at OMI, when I initially called to, you know, see about the status of things after about three weeks, um, she said that it looked like from what she was seeing that it was... uh, natural causes was going to be the cause of death, and it was, uh, um, oh, they used the technical term, which is basically cardiac arrest, or um, I'm trying to think of the word. And so that's basically, you know, what they're indicating. So I guess when I see the death certificate, I'll see the technical term again. But, well, you can you can sure see how easy it would be to cover up a death, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that I think I may have discussed to you know with some is that um, you know to me, you know, Betty had a lot of had a lot of concerns um, about 
um, welcome Massachusetts to Rich and uh, and Jules. Um, I uh, I don't know if Jules is hooked up by microphone or phone. Uh, well, he should be hooked up by phone, I guess. He's on phone. Uh, good evening, you guys. Good evening. So basically, I guess the the thing that um, um, she had a lot of concern for things that were going on around the area and and. You know, I guess from my standpoint, if I really felt like there was things that were happening around me that were were instrumental in in, in some health issues, I I might have wanted to look into some kind of a private organization that does you know autopsy or examination or so forth, and I I might have tried to you know in put that into my papers that I. I'd be taken to one of those places to be, you know, evaluated and tissue samples and things like that so I could have a, you know, a little bit more of a private determination upon, you know, what might have caused the health condition that I was, you know, I was plagued with. Because um, I know there are private universities that aren't beholden to government funds and and things like that. And... It just would have been maybe helpful because Betty might have been able to help, you know, others. She always felt like she was there for a reason, and I think that would have been a, a good way to, you know, to solidify the possibility of 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 the truth or the veracity of her, her belief that perhaps uh, things going on around that missile range and everything could be impactful on a person's health. You know, it, it would have been really dynamic, I guess, to have set that up. And so, unfortunately, we don't have that. And certainly going to, a, you know, the the state's operation, you, you would have never got any truthful information out of there if, uh, you know, if there was a cause of death as a result of things around that that military base there, so you'd have never got that out of the state operation. So, Tim so, a private institution may not even uh, realize some of the strange things to even look for uh, that could have been going on or could have been a cause, and they might not have been able to find it either. Well, and that's true. The only other thing is, is that you know, during the research time that you have available, um, um, you know, as the person being affected by it, um, certainly there are, are, you know, different groups and, and places that are, are uh, you know, or have been active in trying to uh, prevent or block certain things. And so certainly some of those organizations uh Whatever they may be, private or otherwise, I don't know. But there, there, there would be a potentially a source of some, some people who at least are in the know or at least are considering. So if you got with certain of those that um, potentially could could get on the right track, if you will, hunting down the scent, then that it'd be a possibility. But yeah, I agree, uh, Jules. There's there's no doubt. There's no guarantee. It just uh, it just would have been an option to maybe been 
been prepared to try, you know, but um, Betty didn't see the need for it or anything, so she didn't uh, put it in her paperwork. So at that point, it's uh, it's all a mute point, but it would be one more way to try to find out if there is something that was, you know, definitely detrimental to her health. Have you found her paperwork? Well, we've found most everything that that we need. I guess at this point, we're still lacking the the full trust. But I've I've got a hold of an actual attorney name from a a letter that was written um, that seems to be involved in the actual preparation of it. So a letter has gone out to them, and uh, I have to of course follow up with a death certificate to confirm before they could, you know, fully convey any any private information to me. So once that's received, which looks like it's going to be in the next day or two, then that will, you know, materialize hopefully in balance of the document that would be the trust uh, document from, from that attorney's office. So uh, it was quite a while ago. It was 97 when it was when it was actually first formed and created. So um, they should be able to provide it. But um, that was another little blessing that kind of came in, and it was just found in some random paperwork (laughs) that I was going through in the last, uh, you know, a couple of weeks here while I've been doing better. So Mm -hmm. So I... uh, I'm hopeful then that I'll be able to access that and uh, that'll be the final piece of information that will uh, be what's required to continue things that need to be done. So as far as that goes, I guess that's about it. But um, what's on everybody else's mind? Oh, I'll tell you, I think I'm going to short because it, an hour before uh, this started, I say an hour, because it's 5.30 at that time, I got a call from the uh, rock shop neighbors to uh, ask me to help them. <clears throat> Their car wouldn't start, and the other ones already broke down with a bad head gasket, and they were going to take off and get out of town because they uh, spend the night we have to, uh, there's a missile range firing in the morning. I have to get up at 4 a.m. But anyway, I uh, got down there and uh, bunched up some tools and brought down there, and it was a fuel pump. And so I uh, jacked it up and uh, climbed underneath and uh, made a prayer in front of them people in Jesus' name and uh, beat the hell out of it. with a hammer and it started up for them finally through I checked other things and it started up for them and uh, so uh, I'm kind of uh, dirty and greasy and I got to wash the jiggers off of me because uh, there's if you lay down in the rocks around here you uh, you're going to end up uh, with wishing you didn't if you don't go wash them off and I have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to bug out uh, so uh, I got to be on the other side of uh, the bug out line by six, so I'm not going to be on here too much longer. All right, yeah, sounds fine. So, 
All righty. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Rich? Uh, let's see. Well, not a whole lot of stuff going on here. We uh, had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I've been getting got a hydroponics gift for my wife to grow vegetables, so I've been learning about hydroponics. But it hasn't, right. we haven't seen the sun in two weeks, so it doesn't matter if we have hydroponics or not. Nothing's going to grow. <laughs> been raining like, oh, cats and dogs for weeks over here. Some bleak weather. So I suppose you're about ready to collect that Social Security check. We have been for a while. Oh, you you have been. Yeah, I figured I'd get a couple before it went bankrupt, you know. You're siphoning off uh, your children's children inheritance quite early. <laughs> uh, well, they didn't pay anything into it. You're not, supposed, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, well, so you had another birthday. Well, happy birthday, Rich. Yeah, praise God, another one down. <laughs> So, so what have you guys been up to besides uh, searching out all the information you can on that poor old lady? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, uh, just getting over that sickness I had, and so I'm now in my third full week of actual work. So doing pretty good that way, I guess. I can I can work a day without exhaustion. Pretty much but recovered. I will say that I have been retiring earlier. Um, haven't been doing much extracurricular work in the evening on writing things and preparing messages as I hmm. normally do, but uh, should be able to kind of get back into that because I'm getting caught up on a lot of things that we're getting behind. So, this year? Oh, man, I, hey, not only did I miss Branson, let me tell you, um, you aren't aware, um, I didn't send it to you, but uh, I got some wonderful uh, texts um, from your good friend, um, uh, Mr. Billy Ray Blankenship Robbins, uh, you know, the... Billy Ray Blankenship? Yeah, a.k.a. Uh, everything else. And he still loves me. It, it's just amazing. Isn't that um, wonderful? It, it really is. So on June 3rd, I haven't heard from this man since August of 2016. He said uh, uh, the, the things are kind of out of order, I guess, uh, the way they came in. So I think maybe it, it starts with, is it Branson time again? And look who's still with the ministry. Amazing. Shame you're too stupid to follow the Holy Spirit. It's pride, arrogance, Doug. Until you confess that you're a spiritual idiot, you're never going to get anywhere with the Lord. See, Doug, the problem with being a spiritual idiot is to come out of it, you have to confess that you are a spiritual idiot. You have potential. You got the hair for a good preacher. But one of the problems with spiritual idiots is their pride. 
and you're one of the most prideful, stupid men I've ever met. That had potential to be something. Um, didn't God might be able to do something with you? I, that doesn't make sense. But uh, And then one of two, demons in Doug Nelson, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to reveal yourself to him, to make his life miserable in Jesus' name, so that his flesh might be saved when he comes to repentance. What you really need to do is research his deliverance and be set free from the bondage is that are on you that burdens you, your family, family will for generations to come. And whether you believe it or not, Doug, you're led by demons. I think I'm going to turn you over to those demons so that your flesh might be saved. End of the text. Gee, he, he, well, he thinks he's about as powerful as um, St. Peter, doesn't he? Well, no, I think he thinks he's as powerful as the Pope. <laughs> is, is he the manifestation of the demons? He is one sick son of a... Fill in the blank. He is. That's awful. That guy is. He he's got a mental problem. He talk about who's got a demon. That's why I said he, he said demons reveal themselves to you, and I think they did. I think yep, he, he did. Yep, they look well, using text messages. Well, um, R- Russell, Rich wasn't on the line. Why don't you share with Rich what you learned um, uh, this weekend? Did you go to Brandon? Richard. Richard was before the Sanhedrin and was no build. Yeah, he was forced to take communion and he lived. Wait, say that again. You're a little muffled. He he was told to take communion before the high court. Who's this? Uh, I guess John and Jason. John and Jason towards uh, Richard? Yeah, he's not understanding. Hold on. Basically, Richard Parrish, the... The latest accusation last fall, or I guess um, whenever that was, Richard Parrish was um, accused by his grandchild of pedophilia, molestation, um, and uh, uh, it was all discounted and pushed aside and everything else. Well, Apparently, they hauled Richard Parrish down to Oklahoma to have him exercised of his demons or to to determine whether or not he has any. And um, he had to take communion while people watched. And since he didn't apparently die, so goes the report that Richard's a, Richard's a clean guy. 
That's so the way they do it in Oklahoma. And he doesn't die, he's innocent? Yeah, that's the way they do it in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boy, are we backwards or what? <laughs> we so I asked, Russell, I asked Russell, I said, um, where is that procedure written in Scripture? And we couldn't come up with it, so... We could be spiritual idiots together, I guess. I don't know, but I, I don't. I don't want to lump Russell into, you know, my my spiritual idiocy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to drag him down the cesspool with me. It would be an honor to be considered a spiritual idiot. So there's more to the story, though, um, Russell. Actually, there is more to the story. The couple that's deeply involved in this said the acts were horrible, horrible, heinous crimes. We're not we're not talking about just some exposure or something. And did the couple seek prosecution or anything, or they tried to? Yes, yes, they did. And the young three-year-old, they cannot convict, get a conviction on a three-year-old witness. But they confirmed without a doubt that he had been molested. Hmm. Is that the way you heard it, Cindy? What was it? That he that he that the police said he had been violated. Yeah, but they didn't have. But they didn't have a witness. And how do you? The rape. The rape kit. It was too late to get the chemicals by the time it was reported. And and so basically. This is the way I understand it. He gets off scot-free because a three-year-old's testimony doesn't matter. I don't think he gets off scot-free no matter what. God doesn't sleep. No, God's going to... God sees, hears all. He will be punished. I just mean in the man's law, in man's court, in man's constitutional setup. And and what about the the information from that family that said that? Uh, I guess that was a different family. Uh, um, Somebody stopped down in Dallas, you said. What was that? My son was coming through Dallas and had a chance to meet with the family from from, uh, Fort Collins. A former church member. That's uh, probably Rebecca's best friend. 
Rebecca Who's being... Huh? Whose best friend did you say? Rebecca Parrish. Or not Cambridge. Or Chambers, I'm sorry. Rebecca Chambers is Richard Parrish's daughter uh, married to Lance Chambers. So she's the mother of the child in question. Yes. And and the daughter of... They immediately removed themselves from the state after notifying the police. They live in Utah now. Never to return. Hmm. That's pretty telling. Mm-hmm. But what what we were talking about was that uh, that's John Friedrich's. Uh, uh, that's John Friedrich's test. Now, it's my understanding that he's raised by a psychologist. Is that true? Doug? Who, who is? John Friedrich. Um, I'll tell you what. I talked to a, a brother. Um, it's probably been at least three or four months back now, towards the beginning of the year, had a chance to call from former ministry member also, and um, there was something conveyed to me in that conversation to look into John Friedrich's uh, background. And um, I don't know, but I I think... um, um, what you're saying about him being raised by a psychologist or something, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just know that John was um, adopted uh, and raised in an adopted family. Um, so The mother was a practicing psychologist. Okay. And, um, and he was adopted and... This would be a way I could see a psychologist, a psychologist handling that situation. Uh, now, let's look at it another way. If he didn't do it, he shouldn't have any fear whatsoever to take a lie detector test. True. If he didn't do it, Uh, you know, I think I think a full-scale investigation is in order, but nobody asked me. I'm talking about trying to find out if other members had had witnessed the same thing. But uh, as we as we discussed what they were going to do at Branson. I said, what happens if Richard says, why don't me and some of the young men take an overnight camp out in the woods? How many kids do you think would sign up for that? Uh, 
Gee, at least 25 or 30 of them. I mean, he's been exonerated because he took communion. Right. And didn't die, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think Pastor Peters would have done? Might have amputated some pieces off his appendages. Yeah. He might have got one of those horse whips and beat him like he did one of those horses. Well, I tell you, it doesn't seem like evil is leaving the ministry. No, it doesn't. Well, not only that, as Russell said, that the conversation also centered around the Branson gathering is apparently, you know, filled with new people, basically. Um, and um, what was that uh, you said, they, Russell? Uh, they're hurting for funds. They uh, they couldn't afford to live stream or do much promotions. To which I said, well, as long as there's money in the bank for the skiing trip afterwards, I don't think they really care. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Skyler, you remember Skyler, Rich? Yeah, he did the uh, audio-video audio stuff. Right. Well, what Skyler say? Russell? Well, he just uh he just told us uh what I just told you. Oh. The, oh I... the, there's many of the people are leaving the church and Jason is just barely there. And John's getting fed up with it, I guess, is what... Yeah, I think what he said was uh, there were a lot of things not being done that formerly Jason was in charge of. And it was put to me like this. He comes in and flips on a switch and leaves. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't know. I don't know if that's a radio feed or what, but very. Well, they, they didn't have any uh, short wave on for any um, any service this weekend. They didn't put, play any tapes or anything. Mm, that's not a that's not a encouraging sign for that ministry. Nope. Has anybody? Uh, how uh, many people were there? I don't know. I don't think anybody's talked to anybody that's been there. Just that these are some people that have, in the past <clears throat> few years, you know, are also ca still communicating with some of the various people that are still, you know, known around the ministry and little pieces of information when you get together with. A half a dozen people, you some other things kind of dribble out or become known from different corners of the globe. Kind of uh -huh. like what happened with us. I mean, you know, we we found uh, some of the guys up in the Northwest uh, out of a result of this situation, and they'd been, you know, feeling, uh, you know, quite disenchanted by the whole ministry experience that they'd been witnessing and stuff, you know, for three, couple, three years back. And, and so, 
um, you know, it continues to unravel and continues. You know, for Chris Blankenship to to boast about, look who's still with the ministry, I'm just sitting there going, you know, that's a badge of honor or something. Um, I, I praise God that that you know um, we we not only knew right after the pastor's passing, uh, many things were already known and revealed. Uh, you know, we tried to write a ship that we felt was seriously listing. But um, in the end, uh, these people are who were left in charge were were not people that were um, you know obviously uh, ones that should have been left in charge. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Uh-huh. Uh, not to say that we are more worthy, that we are you know whatever. Uh, it's just to state an obvious fact that we are supposed to have people who who love God, who are not covetous, um, who um, seek his, his will and his ways on a daily basis and practice it in our lives. And I dare say that I dare say that that these men that are on this fellowship line tonight are certainly men who I have watched and, and witnessed their spirits um, trying to live that, not as just some outward manifestation, but actually feeling, you know, uh, showing the the actual fruits of it. So um, I, I don't see it from Chris Blankenship in those kind of texts. If, if in, in the books uh, of the New Testament... Uh, the the Christians who were lacking in understanding, they were taught more assuredly in right understanding by those who had right understanding. Uh, so, did, did am I correct in saying that he said, "Look, look who's at Branson, or look who's in the ministry still"? No, he he said, "Yeah, look who's at Branson again." Um, okay. Now, for John Friedrich to allow him back there is nothing but a signal of stupidity <clears throat> and ignorance, and maybe even worse. Maybe, uh, maybe criminal. Well, certainly in the eyes of God, from from what I have gleaned from Scripture. Uh, even the text that he had last year being boastful about, um, you know, uh, well, I'll just read you from last year. You know, people may think that I keep these things for some reason or whatever. Um, I I find these very teachable moments. You know, I I find them uh, incredibly insightful. Uh, it, It witnesses to me again and again of, uh-huh. Just who just who these people really are, but last year, just checking to see if you missed me, um, you never answered one of the questions I asked you. What kind of a prick would poke fun at somebody that had severe financial trouble while spending all his money trying to keep his wife alive? I'll have you know, I still have that house. 
plus two more besides it, plus a home in the mountains, and I'm looking for one at the beach. Not bragging, <laughs> just just the Lord's <laughs> blessing. Just the Lord's blessing. What, what about the private jet? Where's that? Well, well, remember, Rich, from the website, the Fake It Till You Make It website that Chris had, um, he did an interview, a supposed interview, where he talks about how people, you know, uh, look at him and say different things about him just because he's got a butler and a chauffeur and blah, 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 blah. I mean, this guy is a quintessential bullshitter, to put it frankly. And um, uh, of his gourd. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a psychopath. Well, yeah, no, he is. this guy is truly what Pastor Peters taught us about. Yes, he is. He taught us that they are right amongst your love feet. And, um, and they revel in the destruction that they cause. And Chris Blankenship loves this destruction that he caused um, at the ministry. He, he boasted that he was, there was going to be a division when he you know, laid the groundwork. Um, he wrote the obituary? Wrote, yeah. you know, well, he'd already, yeah, he'd, he'd laid the groundwork by writing the obituary and then, and then solidified it with a, I'm convinced today that John Friedrich and Chris Blankenship planned that whole message. John was going to deliver the moving, rousing message about Christ's crucifixion, which was all copied and played. <laughs> which is all copied and plagiarized, by the way. But, um, you know, be that as it may, that's all we have for the record of Christ's crucifixion. But if you truly love the Lord and you hear how he suffered and died, um, it, it is moving to somebody with a heart after the Lord. And that's what brings men to their knees in submission and uh, wanting to serve this this creator and redeemer in a more fervent way because it has emotionally struck the chord of the Spirit of God in them. And so Chris Blankenship and I believe John planned the whole thing and Chris came back with the mop-up, which is the you know altar call, and uh, got these men, you know, you can be amongst men for a long time and find that they they talk the talk and want to and seem to you know in some respects walk a walk but until you you actually you know find that rubber hit the road you you sometimes see especially out of altar calls where you can have people that have been fellowshipping for you with you for years but it was that day that they really finally made a special commitment to really be something more than they've been in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And those altar calls sometimes move men to finally, you know, really become the Christians that they're, you know, supposedly, you know, desiring to be or professing that they have been or whatever. So my point in all that is to just show how we have people 
And I think John Friedrichs, in many respects, was one of those people. He told us many times he never really took any of this very seriously. But once it had been handed to him, he was fully unequipped for it. And secondarily, he was too easily influenced by, you know, the bad seed. And um, this, this stuff from Chris Blankenship is clearly not a seed of the Spirit of God. I mean, there's nothing in that text or any of those texts that he's ever sent that um, show any love, show any of the spirit um, of Christ at all. And as I, I repeat again, if somebody is not knowledgeable of something or not educated on a matter, and therefore they are referred to as an idiot, um, there is a responsibility of those who are educated or are of proper understanding to educate that person if the spirit is right. And in the case of Elimus, he clearly thought he could purchase or acquire it. That is not a spirit or a heart after God, so they did not, and rightfully should not, have entertained any opportunity to enlighten Elimus. I mean, they did. You know, Paul did, in fact, in telling him what he said to him, uh, you know, so if he truly had repentance that he could achieve, and or that he could certainly uh, seek at that point, you know, that matter is left between him and God. But <clears throat> but clearly, we can see them by their fruits. And, uh, you know, I, I'm fully open to anybody ever wanting to show me the fruits that I exemplified that were not of the fruits of the righteousness of Christ um, that I ever have ever expressed or have ever in any way, you know, spoken improperly or done anything that would be considered, you know, worthy of being called an unrighteous or unfruitful, you know, bow. So, um, I don't, didn't intend to make it about me there, but, um, well, Looks like, you know, the, the first thing he did was get rid of uh, all the elders he could get his hands on. So he'd have uh, total control with no other input. And uh, he kept Blankenship around for some stupid reason. So he was bewitched by him. <laughs> Bewildered. Yeah, we... He, I think he's bewitched. I think uh, I wouldn't doubt it if, um, if um, Black and Chips using witchcraft on him. Well, I don't think that would be. Uh, uh, I don't think that would be a surprise to any of us, would it? No. I know one thing for sure: when you don't answer his 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 messages. It just burns him to the core because he's just trying to get you to answer him back so he can uh, curse you. Uh. 
Well, so let's, just, just, let's just put it back on him tenfold. That's it. I'd like to uh, take us a different direction if y'all don't mind. Uh, Doug has been studying Genesis and which forces me to study it. And so this thought came to my mind, Doug and Rich. Uh, What do you think about Adam? Would you say he was a man of character or weak? Or, I mean, we just automatically assume he was a wonderful guy. Who's that? Adam. I mean, he named all the animals, didn't he? Yep. And he tended the garden. But we noticed that he had a character flaw in the garden, didn't we? He didn't keep his house in order. Yeah, he he let her influence him and then blamed it on her, didn't he? Dude. Yeah, so so here's what I'm getting at. Either he wasn't a good parent either or one of his children was a bad seed. But either way he was a product of of Eve. And Adam, was he not? We're talking about Cain. Yes. So so my point is, maybe, maybe Adam was a great parent. And Adam was, and Cain was just evil, an evil murder. I mean, a lot of times I think parents, They have a, a child that does something horrible and they blame themselves. But could it be that sometimes kids do horrible things because that's what they choose to do? That's like, what the Bible indicates. Yeah, like they knew better, so what? Because Cain clearly said... Uh, he was given up to a reprobate mind. And a reprobate mind is a mind that knows the right thing to do and in spite of that knowledge chooses the wrong thing. It's called the known duty of rectitude. Well, so, so maybe Adam did a really good job Cain just chose another way. And from the scripture, we can determine that he was he was jealous of his brother, wasn't he? Sure was. Yep. So uh, that, that thought too came to me, uh, just thinking about Adam and, and thinking about if, if he neglected 
Kane. We don't have any information on that, do we? No, there's there's little information there to glean, um, but it comes right back to the same question that you can ask yourself over and over and over again, and that is, if God was willing to address Cain's uh, um, selfishness, uh, Cain's uh, jealousy, and to, uh, in other words, like you said, in a father form, uh, speaking to the child says, look, you need to get this rage, this jealousy. Uh, he's not going to supplant you. You are still the the uh, uh, the firstborn of the household. But if you uh, progress down this road of jealousies and let that jealousy overtake your um, emotions, then sin's going to crouch at your door and and it will take you. And uh, he no more got through saying that, it would appear from the scripture, and he could not get that rage out of his head and that jealousy out of his head. And when he and his brother happened along, I think it's Jasher that gives a little illumination on the on the story there, and it conveys... It may not be Jasher. It may have been uh, Josephus or something. Um, But I read a little piece of information that goes something along these lines, that that, um, Abel, being the sheep herder, passed through some of the fields of... um, uh, of Cain that he was, uh, you know, tilling or whatever. And you can almost see it right now. Brother, um, oh, Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah's Johnny on the spot. Where where am I at here? At the top of three or two? All right, here. That's it. You say you don't know if that's it? Um, Cain was a tiller of the ground and Abel a keeper of sheep. And it was at the expiration of a few years that they brought an approximating offer to the Lord. Cain brought, yeah, I don't think it's in this, Jeremiah, and uh, Cain is offering. See, I, I think it may be in Josephus. Um, that seems to be what's kind of hitting my mind rather than chapter. the book of Enoch? It could be that, too. But essentially, the, the way that I recall the the story being relayed in that particular writing was that he's coming across the field of uh, that that Cain is tilling, and you can see this right now. Um, you know, Rich and I are brothers, and here comes Rich's sheep trodden through my newly plowed, you know. Uh, pasture or vineyard or field and and it's like hey can't you take them stupid sheep and go somewhere else with them do you have to drive them through you know this 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 place where i'm working so you can see the very easily how that would be you know quite unnerving and unsettling to you know a couple of brothers toiling away and 
he's just wandering, you know, Rich is just wandering around with his stupid sheep, and he's just wandering through my my field, and I'm sweating on the ground here trying to till this thing and everything. And... Uh, <laughs> jackass. And I I could see that thing just completely playing out like that, and two brothers being quite at odds over such a situation, and uh, and the way the story goes also, um, as I recall it, is that Cain, um, uh, you know, basically said, "Get out of my field," as if it was his own field or something, and. So Abel's response was, well, you know, uh, that's fine if that's the way you feel when it comes time to keep your sorry little butt warm and you want some of my wool to knit yourself up a sweater, I'll just tell you to go spit. And so, you know, you can see the whole thing just festering and materializing. And perhaps Cain... The only thing that makes me think that, you know, maybe this isn't the proper rendition, if you will, is because God says in the scripture, it says, you know, he did not rightly divide. And and I was thinking, if Cain brought of the field that had been trampled on or something by the sheep and brought that as a sacrifice in a way of showing God, you know, look what, you know, Abel is doing unto the bounty, um, and that's why I say the only thing that kind of makes me question that that possible theory or story, you know, in some degree, is that it seems to be evident in the scripture that God God's biggest issue was that it was not rightly divided. Um, and that, you know, that translation could be incorrect and and I just don't know it because I'm not a Hebrew scholar and I don't have Hebrew writings in front of me. So, anyhow, something more to contemplate, though, huh? Yeah. It is. I'll have to figure out where that's at. Uh, My (laughs) wife will probably know. She seems to remember those things when I read them to her or tell her about them uh, or she came across it herself and but but the possibility remains. Adam was our forefather. Yes. Life was breathed in him. A woman was created from him. And we know that he had character flaws. And maybe one of them was he was a bad father. I mean, yeah, that's... Been- doesn't speak to that at all that I, you know. Well, the reason I say that is it's his son that's killing his brother. And very few of us have children that kill our kill their siblings. I mean, well, it was, it was bad seed all the way down the line, though, too, you know. I mean, when you think of it, you know, like Esau. He did everything he could to make his parents hate his choices. Uh-huh. Marrying into the Canaanites and the... Okay, the, so what what you're saying is it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad parent. No, because it doesn't say anything about, you know, Jacob. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Well, but... You know, and, and just to... And not, 
you know, the scripture also says that only a remnant will be saved. And God gives yeah. the free choice of whether you're going yeah. to obey his law or, or not, you know? Uh-huh. So, yes, absolutely. That's not a condemnation of Adam. But this is a condemnation of Adam. He didn't stop Eve or he didn't. That is pretty clear cut that he had a character flaw there. Because it says he he partook also, and and then he blamed it on her. Which well, he definitely showed weakness. Yeah. By by uh, you know, partaking in the that food, whatever it was. And, and um, let's see, Abraham, uh, or was it Jacob? Wasn't it Abraham that uh, had Joseph? Abraham had Isaac. Okay, and Isaac had Jacob. Had Jacob. Jacob had Joseph, didn't he? Yep. Okay. Uh, several boys in that family were not too, uh, did not have high, a lot of high character, did they? They well, they were, also, they were also products of their mothers, too, you know, and he had, um, what, he had four wives? You know, yeah. A couple, couple wives and concubines. Because and... I, I think they wanted to murder Joseph as well, and one of them talked him out of it. I think Reuben might have stood up for him. Yeah. So there's a, uh, and of course. He, he lost the birthright, you know. Yeah. They lost the, the you know the firstborn's thing you know for being bloodthirsty. And well, Esau definitely wanted to murder uh, Jacob on many occasions, didn't he? I didn't hear the question, yeah. Russell. I said that Esau wanted to murder Jacob many times, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he did. So. So yeah, there's a there's a good uh, a good case for sometimes they're just bad kids, no matter what the parents do. Yeah, the bad seed was in the line. <clears throat> well, we, it's obvious from that scripture, and maybe this is what you're trying to get out of this too, Russell, is that is that that propensity to be a bad seed is in every one of us. And I think this is what God said to to Cain, you know, quite succinctly, is that um, I'm just going to go to Genesis 4, um, and, uh, uh, and Abel also himself brought of the first fruits of his sheep, and the fat of them, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no regard. Wherefore Cain was exceedingly wroth, and his countenance fell down. Then the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why has thy countenance cast down? If thou do well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou does not well, sin lies at the door. Also unto thee his desire shall be subject, and thou shalt rule over him. Um, God is clearly conveying the first principle that he's been trying to teach his created, 
since the beginning. If you do that which is good and right, success is, is yours. If you do that which is wicked or slothful, um, you know, you're going to reap the rewards of it. You may not, in some respects, uh, see the evidence of it in a negative way because you may prosper, you may become rich, you may be all sorts of things, but in the end, as Christ said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he loses his soul? So this is about the soul that God is, that he's created. It's not about the physical manifestation of the bones and so forth. It's the soul. And um, so, you know. So that is a good point, Doug. It's like uh, we all have the sin option. Yes, absolutely. We're, We're made in God's image. God certainly understands wickedness and unrighteousness. He certainly understands things that can be destructive. He certainly knows that he can, uh, that two elements uh, can be put together and cause great damage. I mean, so um, if he can cause an earthquake to, to create great damage, or he can cause the elements to converge and come down in, in raining hail and fire and, uh, you know, brimstone, um, you know, he certainly knows these things. And as Christ said to the apostles, you know, you know not what spirit you are of. We have great power in the spirit of God. And it goes right back to this, this Chris Blankenship. Uh, you know, if... If you truly are desiring to live and be in accordance with the will of God, um, these kinds of thoughts and sentiments and so forth carried forth on these kinds of texts are, are, are not characteristic of characters of, of our Creator. Uh, one thing I, I didn't get read last week and it, it does tie into all of this. I want to read you guys something. Um, that word um, in verse 13 of that scripture, it, it says, what is this that thou hast done? Let me see if I got that right. What is this that thou hast done? Oh, that was, uh, that was on Adam. Uh, this is the thing I wanted to get to, so I won't read that. I thought that was with it. Um, uh, a uh, professor, A.E. Waite, um, did a uh, writing on the Holy Kabbalah, and on page 286, this is what he wrote. And this kind of all comes together on the whole seed line thing, which, you know, remember how when I did that last newsletter article for the ministry, Richard Parrish had a significant problem with that article because I referred to this very story here of Cain and Abel and how God was telling Cain, you know, to do righteously. And the seed line doctrine basically conveys that Cain, you know, is, you know, of a conjugal union with the serpent, etc. And 
this is what it says. Quote, the serpent, so this is from the Kabbalah, the holy, quote, holy Kabbalah. And Professor A.E. Waite did these studies on this, and this is what he wrote. Quote, the serpent showed Adam all the pleasures of the world. These intimations depend from a thesis which recurs many times from the Zohar. Zohar, of course, is a book of the Talmud. It is testified by the colleagues, meaning the rabbis, that the fall of man was one of sin with a woman. In the normal sense which attaches to this expression, it is added almost immediately that sexual desires have coupled all evils out of a correction or modification follows in the course of debate. I mean, you can't even follow this, can you? It's mm. just, but well, this is what... Talmud, I don't believe it anyway. It's from the Holy Kabbalah. Well, I don't believe it either, but this is what people do believe when they believe the things that they believe. That's my point, so hear me out. The serpent showed Adam all the pleasures of the world. These intimations depend... Now, get this. These intimations depend from a thesis which recurs many times from the Zohar, the, the book of the Talmud. Yes, Rich. It is testified by the colleagues, being the rabbis, that the fall of man was one of sin with a woman. In the normal sense which attaches to this expression, it is added almost immediately that sexual desires have caused all evils out of a correction or modification follows in the course of debate, namely that in themselves sexual desires, they are good or evil according to the spirit which inspires them. You know, God's word says the love of money is the root of all evil. But I digress. Um, quote, seeing that it is to Eve that sin of a sexual order was first imputed, the question is, who instructed or initiated her? The answer is that the serpent, Sam A.L., had carnal relations with her and injecting his defilement into her. Adam, not being affected until she communicated in turn with him, apparently by osmosis, she cohabitated with Samael, who corrupted her, and by him she became with child, bringing forth Cain. A footnote here by A.E. Waite says this, quote, the story of this cohabitation is of Talmudic origin and will be found in the track Sabbath, among other places it also uh, it is also of rabbinic authority otherwise and is stated by R. Abram uh, de Seva in his commentary on the Pentateuch. The Midrash affirms both Adam and Eve were defiled by the serpent. Finally, it is mentioned categorically in the paraphrase of Jonathan ben Huziel that when Adam knew his wife, she had conceived already of the angel Samael, the snake serpent, apparently as a result of the dual intercourse she brought forth Cain. So the point is, the whole story that so many people, Israelite identity people, 
have even glommed onto is a story straight out of the Talmud. And and in the Talmud, she is referred to as Lilt, L-I-L-T-H. Form of that is Lily and Lilt. And um, whatever you see that Lilt, it's been my experience. It's not a good thing. It's not a good, a good woman. So we should ask ourselves a question. In my mind, if that story were true, which so many in the Israelite identity actually do believe, if that story were true, I want to ask the question: Why would God say to Cain? The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is your countenance cast down? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not well, sin lies at the door. Why would God even care to take this serpent's son and try to mold him into anything remotely like a child of God? Can somebody answer me that question? Well, I can go one up. If you go on and read the next chapter, I think that Eve says uh, she got a son from God, uh, referring to Cain. I don't think our God would give her the seed of Satan. Well, you know, it looks like God was trying to give Cain an out for repentance. And he did Uh, the same thing for David. But he had to pay for his, you know, he had to pay for his sins. Now, having said that, God clearly created Esau in the womb. I mean, is that referring to DNA? I mean, God knew everything while he was still in the womb. Yeah. And Esau's choices showed him to be a reprobate. Yep. And I can be a reprobate. Anybody can be a reprobate. So could Russell. Well, Blankenship said you're a reprobate. Well, yeah. I mean, you know... And the choice is is upon us. Yep. And this is the biblical story from the beginning to the end. It never changes. Uh-huh. Only thing that changes is what people try to do with doctrine and theology. Well and especially as not forget, Doug, that is a process. That is a process to learn to control sin, to keep it from breaking the door down. I mean, being doing the right thing, uh, well, that's the secret. <laughs> that's the sum total of the whole reason we're created. So 
in my mind, I look at this and I say Judaism is just like Catholicism in this sense. There's something else that's the boogeyman. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the actual, the actual way of Christ that Christ taught was that you are responsible and the only way you get to the Father is through him the Redeemer, which means that's your door. Your door is an acceptance and acknowledgement of the true God of creation, the Redeemer of Israel, and that's the only way that any person of any race, creed, nationality will ever access the throne room of God Well, that's pretty profound teaching there, Doug. Now, I'm a spiritual idiot, however, yeah. Russell. You, you must, you, you know, you must take caution. Um, we do. So, We've been warned. Yeah, you know, you've been warned. So, you know, take it for what it is. I can guarantee you this much. I'm not down in some state in Oklahoma or here, there, or whatever else telling you that it's a demon that you have in you. You bet your ass you've got a demon in you. That demon is you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to believe that demon has got you in alcoholism or it's got you in, you know, sodomite behaviors or it's got you in whatever you want to believe, uh-huh. that again is you. And that again is your problem. And if you can keep yourself convinced that it's something beside you, you can continue to do it, can't you? Absolutely. If you can excuse it all away and pass it off on something else, brother, I can make a lot of money off of you for a long time. Just keep telling you them demons are working on you. And and, Uh And as soon as you finally figure out the jig is up and it really is really you that's doing all this anyway and that you need to just cut the crap out and get your life together, uh, oh, there's no doubt. I will never disregard the fact that alcoholism will be a consuming fire upon your flesh, your mind, whatever. There's no doubt in my mind that it will. But you can't overcome it. And the only way you overcome it is with the spirit of God Almighty. And as I started out tonight talking about, you know, spiritual and so forth, you go to the book of Revelation and what do you find? You know, you find the seven spirits of of God. Well, you know, Chris Blankenship is so spiritually enlightened, you know, maybe he forgot Isaiah eleven, two to three. Um, what do you what? suppose it? What do you suppose it costs to get a demon expelled from a real good demon expeller? Well, uh, by the look of the website of that outfit down in Oklahoma, uh, it looks like they're you know one of the primary functions of the website is to get your donation or get your your free will gift or offering, uh, and apparently you don't come to the, you don't 
you don't get to the uh, to the power to expel those demons unless you've you've given something. Well, that's well, Catholicism one hundred and one. Do you think they do you think they have coupons or specials? I really don't know. Um, Maybe a I, banner that I, comes across. I spent about thirty minutes at that, or thirty seconds at that website, and saw all the donate now and pay now, uh-huh. pay here buttons. Uh-huh. That that was all I needed to know. So we take Visa, Mastercard, discover even, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, even your firstborn, if you'd like. Well, that was a good lesson there, Doug, because I believe you you hit it right on the top of the nail. Well, it, it you know, if we could try to get people to see and understand that so much of this garbage that is being held up here now as being, it's like I said back, when I wrote the article for the ministry and I was referring to this Cain and Abel story and I said to Jason when Jason you know, called because there was some issue, Richard was trying to edit my article uh-huh. and uh, I said to Jason, I said, are you going to argue with the Lord? God said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So, you know, why would, I said, people are actually believing the seed line doctrine secret, uh-huh. secretly, covertly, essentially, because uh-huh. of the thing they're holding in their mind, which is two positions that are counter to each other. And that, I, you know, please believe me, I don't have the time and probably even some of the inclination to even want to go through so much of this stuff that is necessary to go through in order to fully learn and to show our people that, hey, what you are believing is lies straight out of the pits of hell of these people who love this kind of stuff. They revel in deception they make money off of the deception. How many websites do you think are right now out there running on the Internet that are full of this deception leading our people to believe in all of this garbage? You know, you stop and think. Uh, you stop and think that, that this message, that, that one sentence that God said to Cain, the essence of it was you do the right thing and everything will work out. Okay, so now we have potentially this little child who knows what happened to him. And this message can go out to him. Okay, and what I mean by that is we all get bad things happen in our lives. And a, a bunch of it was beyond our control, right? Absolutely. Some of it is, yes. And God says, you do, do the right thing. And you'll master sin. You can master sin. You can, 
You can control that. That little child couldn't control what happened to him, but but Cain could control that situation by 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 doing what God told him to do. Right. Right. And so, no matter what any of us has had happen in our past, you know the psychologist dredge this stuff up and want you to remember it. But really, you don't have to remember that crap. You you best forget it and just live righteous is what God is essentially telling Cain. Just do the right thing. You screwed up or something didn't go right. But here's the solution. I mean, that's encouraging, I think, to all of it. Well, absolutely, and it's just like the statement from Chris in the text that says, whether you believe it or not, Doug, you're led by demons. No, I can tell you something, Chris Blankenship. I am led by the Spirit of Christ. I am led by the Spirit of God which dwells in me. You are led by the demon which you desire to be led by. Yeah. That's the fact of the matter. So, um, I'm going to follow righteousness, and Chris Blankenship can follow whatever he's following, whether it's the group in Oklahoma or whatever, you know, seducing spirit he's following. Uh But I would much rather have you three here and my son, my wife, and your wives and, and so forth in fellowship with me, then I would have ten Chris Blankenships. <laughs> Ooh, ten times Chris Blankenship. Because I can guarantee you, if I had the ten of them, state. I if I had ten of them, I would be found in the position of Cain and Abel. But I would believe that my my anger being sought out to slay those ten demons, God would consider to the glory of his name. I I tell you, man, the the guy is absolutely... um, He is absolutely a child of wickedness. And he has been masquerading as a child of light for a long time. And he's chose that path. He isn't doing a very good job masquerading, though. Well, he is to some people. Yeah. He is to some. So that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of a sad story for him and his offspring. But they're not stuck in his path. No, absolutely not. Exactly right. They are not stuck in that path. And it would appear to us that some of them have recognized that they don't want to be stuck in that path from some of the things that I've heard. Yeah. I've experienced one of them firsthand, and she was really a sweetheart. She came and stayed a week or so here about 10 years ago or something. And she really had a gentle heart. 
like the mother. So anyway, I, well, I tell I'm you, gonna, uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, well, so how did the wedding go off? Uh, uh, Cindy sent you guys some pictures, but it it went off uh, just like God wanted it to. He had a closed ceremony for family members only. And we took communion, and they wanted to start out their new life together that way. And uh, praise the Lord. There was a huge, ominous storm headed right for the outside wedding celebration. And that storm just sat there till that whole thing was over. <laughs> and then it, right at about nine, nine o'clock, maybe nine. It ended at 9, I think, and about 30 minutes later, as we were heading home, we got drenched in the car, and everybody was saying the same thing. It was just, thank you, God, because it was was a hot June day, and that thing turned into a well-air-conditioned, wonderful time. The Lord said, I'll hold this off for you for a while, but I am going to wash you all because that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. The, the two wrote vows to each other, and it was really a testimony to uh, everybody that was in the room about the sincerity of what they wanted to make out of the shingy. They wanted to please God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Made made the daddy of the was it the groom of a very thankful and a very humble man because he couldn't take credit for it. Yeah. Yeah. He just thank God. Amen. Yeah, you do. So they're off in southern Colorado somewhere getting to know each other. Well, good. That's just great news, and that's what you want to hear from from our youth is a generation of righteous marriages and children of righteousness are going to going to continue to prosper and grow, seeking the Lord, His will and His way in their lives. Just, uh, that's, I I think that's what the Lord is saying it's all about, my sons. Well, I'd like to tell you that I appreciate that illustration because I think that we can all use that that uh, remedy that God had for Cain. We can teach our children. Uh, your countenance does not look good. You need to remedy it. Fix it. 
I mean, and it was pretty simple, wasn't it, Doug? It was, and it's just, it is, it, it is a, uh, a testimony that too often is just disregarded that um, he gave such a, you know, such a fair and ample warning in advance of any catastrophe. And what father, what parent, what mother does not want to have the child avoid fall? And so they spend all their time trying to teach and to train that the pitfalls are out there and you've got to, you know, treat it like a minefield and you've you've got to go in the right path. Uh-huh. Otherwise, the path that you choose will be a path just fraught with uh, a sin and devastation. And, you know, I know a lot of people get that and a lot of people, you know, feel like they've come to the Lord from very tough paths and so forth and... Uh-huh. and um, so, but it's just, it's just the way God tried to avoid the catastrophe well in advance, just by looking upon his countenance. Of course, he knew his heart anyway, you know, because of the countenance, I would say. But, uh, no, I agree with you, Russell, and, and maybe there's a reason that we started to swerve into it in the last couple of weeks just because of that, is it? takes us as a parent and says, you know, I, I, th- what is the credit that I take for this? Uh-huh. And uh, it's purely the child at that point, and uh, he makes the decisions and chooses the path. Well, you know, we sure ought to be thankful for our, our wives. Yeah. Because... Uh, Moses' wife saved his life, didn't she? Didn't God preach a killing? And she corrected that disobedient situation very quickly, right? I didn't. I didn't hear what you said. What situation corrected? His circumcision. Or was it his sons? Well, no. Um, no, Zipporah, she had no desire for the circumcision. She, she, but you know. didn't she do it? Yeah, she circumcised the son. Yeah, she did. I, I can imagine that was quite a scene. The kid must uh-huh. have been at least a teenager. The mother <laughs> running after him with a knife. That must have been very interesting. But... But Moses refused to do it, didn't he? He didn't do it. And so it clearly says there that God was going to kill him. And that Zamora hopped up and chopped up. It's like Phineas. This man saved what? 75,000, 350,000, I don't remember the number, by by, by stopping this bad behavior. 
Right. So anyway, well, uh, I'll have to discuss that on another Tuesday night. Well, all right. Yeah, it's getting to be later at 930-ish here. So, um, well, let's have some closing prayer. I'll go ahead and begin. Somebody else wants to have some prayer. Heavenly Father, do thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with these brothers and sisters of mine. Father, we do thank you for the blessing that you bestowed upon the King family. And we pray for Texas and Amber in their new marriage, Lord. We just say, Lord... Continue to protect and guide them in everything as they have asked. Lord, give them exactly what it is that they have asked, which is to live everything for you and to live entrusting their lives to you. So, Father, we just thank you that another child of, of, of your Israelite blessed children are are taking seriously what it is that you teach us through your word. And I I just praise you, Lord, and just give thanks and glory and say hallelujah, continuing to be with them and guiding them is just, just wonderful to know that they've asked and they've desired it from the very beginning. More than anything else, they desired you. And it's just praise and glory, Lord, for the decisions and the choices they've made. And, Lord, I just pray that you continue to help them through every one of those obstacles, hurdles that are going to come their way. And, Lord, you've said that you won't give us more than we can handle. Amen. We thank you for that. Give them the relief when they need it so that they can see your power being unfolded and giving them and granting them exactly what you have promised. Father, I do thank you for the blessings you've been providing in our health here at our house and that I just pray for your continued blessing upon it and a full recovery, and that I don't ever have any recurrence of this, Lord. And I don't know what's happening, Lord, where it's coming from. And Lord, I know that we're, in some respects, getting exactly what we've deserved or exactly what you promised us, and that is the sicknesses and the diseases of Egypt. We violated every food law and everything else, Lord, no matter what we try to do in our own household, Lord. We're we're becoming affected. So, Father, we pray for a blessing upon us and removal of those things that are diseases and sicknesses which can affect us in ways that are really debilitating and devastating and could harm us for the future. So, Lord, I just ask for your continued blessing watching over us. Father, continue to pray for your brethren, our brethren, your children, wherever they are, asking for your protection upon them, Lord. ask that you guide and direct them to fellowship here if they so desire to fill their lives with the spirit and the knowledge of the word of God 
So I ask these things in the blessed and holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray, Lord, for this nation that come to its senses. Amen. And your people rise to the occasion to be Phineas's and cast this stuff out of the land, kill it and destroy it. Right. So, those are my Jesus, prayers. Jesus, I want to ask you that to give us the spirit, your spirit, and your spirit of just do the right thing. When, when temptation manifests itself and beats on our door, Lord, give us the courage, straight mind to just do the right thing and control that temptation. Lord, we can control it. That's a power, and we thank you for that. Spirit of righteousness abound. And we have that power. Yes, Lord, we do. You've promised. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for your word. And I just, Father, I want to say thank you for Rich and Doug. For just showing up and putting meaning behind words and helping my understanding of your words. So thank you again, God. And it seems like I always just come back to thank you. But I really recognize that you're the one I need to thank. So thank you again, Jesus, in your holy name. I ask it. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new marriage that you've just performed. We ask your blessings upon that couple. We ask that you bless them with many children to rebuild the kingdom. Amen. Increase the men like a flock. We're looking for a lot of strong men. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings over our family, your protection, your love. And Father, we ask that you cast that demon out of Brother Doug. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, you are awesome. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. 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 Well, all righty. Well, you guys all have a great night and a great week, and we'll be back here next week. So, all right. Good night, okay. guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.